This morning, Pastor David will be bringing us God's Word as we begin a new sermon series. I believe it's called 180, and we welcome you as you share God's Word with us. Thank you very much, Pastor Stan. Our scripture lesson today comes from Galatians um, chapter 2, um, verse 20. So I invite you to either open up in your pew Bibles, in your personal Bibles you bought, your phone Bible, uh, the Bible app is wonderful, or if you take a look on your handout, there is also the scripture right easily for you there. So you got many access to God's word. And let's read it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are starting a new sermon series today called The 180, You Turn to God. Like, not you turn, but you turn to God. It's a funny little play on words. You didn't laugh. I'm going to attempt humor in the sermon, and we're going to have to do better than that, because otherwise you're going to be like, David, I'm sitting here, and you're not funny. It's kind of like when they handed me a microphone yesterday at my wife's bridal shower, and for about two hours, I was just expected to kind of give the commentary like it was a baseball play-by-play during all the gifts. And at the end, people were like, Regina, why did you give him a microphone? I don't know. Regardless, um, we're going to, for the next four weeks, we're going to explore how we're called to turn away from our self-centered lives. So, you turn to God away from our self-centered lives and towards a Christ-centered life, and how life is so much better when we do that. We're going to be looking at in that in a variety of ways with a variety of passages and a variety of scriptures, and we're really excited for this opportunity. But today, we're going to kick off our new sermon series. We're also kicking off the football preseason. You're probably wondering why in the world in August are people wearing football jerseys. And I appreciate those of you who wore your favorite jersey as uh, Facebook told you to do so. Thank you. Um, We're having some fun today. I'm going to use some bad football puns you're noticing. We're kicking off the sermon series. We're kicking off the preseason. And we're going to right now warm up and get in the right, right mindset because I'll tell you, we're not laughing yet. Therefore, we need to warm up. So I've invented a game, fear not, because we aren't laughing yet. We're going to warm up and get ready. So this is a game that I like to call Gronk or Bugs Bunny. So I'm going to do five different quotes, and we're going to take an opportunity. You're going to see there's a little scorecard in your handout, and you'll circle on there. We're also going to go by the honor system because we're going to play against our neighbor, a little little competitive spirit here. So um, I will do a show of hands as well, so you can't then turn later and be like, oh, I got them all right. When you really got one of them right, we'll, we'll keep to the honor system. But we're going to try it. When I played this with our test audience, they got about 40% right, so we'll see if you can do better. Again, the quote will be said by Rob Gronkowski or Bugs Bunny. Number one, remember, mud spelled backwards is dumb. Okay, Rob Gronkowski Bugs Bunny. Oh, hooray, you got it. Okay, you could circle that one. You got it right. Okay, let's try another one. Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. Rob Gronkowski, Bugs Bunny. My Bugs Bunny friends have it, so score one for you. Look, we're already having a rivalry in the church, competitive spirit during the sermon. We love it. Okay, next one. I'll go anywhere with a beach. Rob Gronkowski, Bugs Bunny. 
That was Rob Gronkowski. Okay, two more. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're starting to have the, the winners and the not winners be separated. But let's do a little more. Me not working hard, picture that on a Kodak. Rob Gronkowski, Bugs Bunny. Oh, that was, that was Rob Gronkowski. All right, the final one. You've noticed we've had two Bugs Bunnies and two Rob Gronkowskis. So here's the championship. And when, with my test audience, literally 50% of the time they got it. So we're going to find out. Here we go. Jumping without a parachute? Kind of dangerous, isn't it? Rob Gronkowski? Bugs Bunny. It is Bugs Bunny. Congratulations. Very good. Did I get anybody with, with five? Oh, very good. Congratulate yourself. Well, so you, you may be thinking, so it's the long game, and we just played a game called Rob Gronkowski or Bugs Bunny. You may be thinking that Rob Gronkowski's retirement is simply him taking some time off and playing the long game with his career. Probably not. But there are many ways to play the long game in football, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to use football in a lot of ways as a metaphor for how we live our Christian lives today. Similarly, Paul's letter to the Galatians that we just read a passage from earlier teaches us to play the long game in our Christian lives. Paul is a person who a lot of people consider him one of the greatest leaders of all time, and let me tell you why. There's a really smart Christian thinker named Gordon Fee who said there are two amazing great leaders in the history of the world, and they are Moses and the Apostle Paul. Because if we think about what the Apostle Paul did is he literally went all over the known world at that time without social media, without Instagrammable moments, without likes, without hashtags, without the internet, without the phone, and he set up these small Christian communities that became a massive movement. The Galatian church had some things that they had to deal with that Paul really was pointing out, and you'll see how they relate to football. The Galatian church was obsessed with the Old Testament problem of how to reconcile the Torah with the Christian faith. Now, you, you might say, David, what's the Torah? The Torah simply is the Old Testament scriptures. How do we take the Old Testament law and the Christian faith and make them work together? And that is one of the things the Galatian church was absolutely struggling with. They wanted an immediate answer. But Paul got them to take a step back and to realize that their thinking needed to change. Paul was writing to a group of people who were struggling with legalism and wanting that silver bullet, that quick fix. And I'll tell you, a lot of us can, can relate to this. We struggle with when there's that issue, we just want that silver bullet, we want that quick, easy out, we want that touchdown pass, and we're not willing to play the long game to look at it from a different perspective. Of course, the long game could be simplified to focusing on the big picture, right? and moving away from instant gratification. The problem is, is I think most of us, if we look around, will say, you know what, yes, I would love to move away from instant gratification. I would love to focus on the long game in my life, and I try to do it, and it's just really hard. How do I do it? It's something we struggle with. We say, of course, I want to be less focused on instant gratification. Of course. But how? So using the Scripture and using football, we're going to come up with three ways, and we're going to build them right up on top of each other, of how we can do this. Because whether we are football players, we are Christians, or both, it is important to learn how to play the long game. Life is better when we see that both life and faith, we're going to use one of our faith community church um, terms here, 
Faith is a long, slow walk. It's not a quick fix. It's not a silver bullet. And we're going to look at that today. Paul's letter to the Galatians offers us ways to do that. And here's the first way. And you're, you're going to laugh, but we're going we're to figure out who's coach. The scripture tells us, I have been crucified with Christ. So as a football player, if I'm figuring out who the coach is, that means if I'm a football player, the coach is the coach, period. Whether I like the coach, dislike the coach, think he's great, think he's not, whatever, the coach is the coach. What this means for us is we are not the coach. To be crucified with Christ, we need to give up control and we need to see that the coach, and you'll be like, oh, this is silly. Okay, but the coach is not us, it's Jesus. And I'll tell you, the great theologian John Calvin agreed with me that Jesus is the coach when he wrote this. As long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. It's not about letting God be in charge. It's not about letting the coach on the sidelines be in charge. God is in charge and the coach is in charge. I just have to choose whether I want to be coachable and listen, whether I'm on the football field or I'm just going through life in my family, in my workplace, in my church, in Market Basket. No matter where it is, am I coachable? So here's a little inventory, and we can all play this, so look on your, um, look on your little handout. Here's three questions. You can answer these now. You can write them down. You could do it later. You can pray about it and think about it. Do I learn from my mistakes? Do I become defensive or am I open to direction? Do I live a static life or do I want to change? And if you answer those questions, you, we can see how coachable we are or are not, whether we're a player, whether we're a Christian, or whether we're both, and then we can begin to move forward. It is incredibly important to be coachable people. Now, we have that idea. I want to now tell you, uh, here's, a, here's a football thing. In football, there are a couple of different types of systems. You might know this because you may know football way better than your associate pastor, and you may not. So either you'll be like, duh, David, yeah, okay. Or you'll be like, wow, that's very interesting. There are three types of coaching systems. There is what's called an open system, there is a closed system, and there is what's called a synchronistic system. Let me give you a quick definition. An open system literally means everybody can join you're just part of, there you go. In football, the example is, has anyone ever gone to like the football field and played um, pickup football with anybody? That's an open system. There's no like entry process, you just go and you're part of. A closed system is like a very closed club where there's very specific certain rules, you gotta follow certain things, and it's really hard to be part of it. A synchronistic system, and this is not gonna be a super pro Bill Belichick sermon, but I will tell you, has anyone ever heard the phrase, do your job? Yes? Okay. Do your job is a synchronistic system. Synchronistic system simply means we get in sync, we get on the same page with everybody else. There are expectations, there's a patriot way, there's a different way we get involved in, but anybody can buy in. It's not an open system where it's just there it is, but it's not a closed system in that it's exclusive. A synchronistic system simply means you buy in, you do things a certain way, and now you're part of. Now, that is similar to the church. If you really think about it, and this is what the Galatian church had a hard time with, they wanted the closed system 
of the Old Testament law, sometimes we look at it and we just say, oh, it should just be a totally open system with no rules, with no expectations. The problem with that, if we do that with the church, is we start not standing for anything. Then we, then we don't have the cross, and then we move away, and we just say, well, believe whatever you want, and we'll feel good about getting together. The problem is, if we don't stand for Christ, we stand for nothing at all. So an open system is not the way to go. The Galatians showed us that a closed system is not. It's about that synchronistic system. The church is about us buying in, living under grace, coming together for a greater purpose, playing our roles, and being part of. And that's what we really want to focus on with figuring out who is coach. It's not just about who the coach is. It's buying into that system. Okay, so that's the first thing a football player does is they want to figure out who the coach is. The next thing, here it is. Change my perspective. What that means for a football player. The team I am on either will or will not define who I am. I'm either part of the team or I'm not. So let's think about that for a second. So does anyone remember the first Super Bowl that the Patriots won? We do, right? We're in New England. Whether you love the Patriots, because a lot of you this morning were like, oh, I'm so excited to talk about the football. I love the Patriots. And a bunch of you were like, well, I considered wearing my jersey, but it's a blank, and you're all Patriots fans here, and I really don't like Bill Belichick. I heard that from a number of people. Um, regardless, if we lived in New England, we all remember, thank you for the, for the token laugh, I appreciate it, we're going to work on that. Um, regardless, we all remember the first Super Bowl they won in 2000 what? Was it one or two? It was 2002, the season was in 2001, February of 2002, very good, you all get a gold star. Um, there was something that happened before the Super Bowl that my Uncle Ralph turned and said, Wow, the Patriots are going to win. Because during that time period, all of the teams, I don't know if you remember, they used to all, when you came out, you came out one at a time, um, they announced, now number 77, and they walked out and they did their little dance and whatever, and people were like, hey, hooray, and there was smoke and whatever. Then the Patriots came out, and what did they do? They just ran on the field together, united, because... The coach said, no, we, aren't. we are in a team, we go together. And when that happened, my Uncle Ralph said, wow, okay, the Patriots aren't that good of a team, but they're going to win. That's amazing. In the same way, it is no longer I who live, in the Scripture says, but Christ who lives in me, we go together. Christ lives in us, and we're a team. We're not like those players coming out of the tunnel doing their dances. We go together. But we got to be careful because Paul is not saying that our human personality is simply zapped out of existence and replaced with some sort of divinity. So that's not what he's saying. There is instead a radical transformation that can happen inside of each of us. And I think we've seen this. We've seen all of us, no matter where we are in our faith, we've seen people whose lives have been immeasurably changed by that radical transformation. We were one way. Then we invited Jesus into our lives and something totally different happened, whether we see that from someone else or ourselves. I think of my friend Simon. I recently, um, this past year, I lost a dear friend, Simon. He was a, a, a pastor of mine and a very dear friend and a very big influence in my life. And I remember him talking to me about growing up in Australia. He talked about being kind of a tough kid, a tough guy, not necessarily a criminal, but, but with the wrong crowds, not in a good direction. 
And then he got involved in a synchronistic system in the church. He got involved in Hillsong Church in Sydney, Australia. I believe it's Sydney, Australia. I forget. There's another town, regardless. But he'll, he'll, their family will be watching this and they'll be like, no, it wasn't that town. Regardless, it's some town down there. Um, but he got involved, he gave his life to Jesus, and his life changed. Now, it wasn't that silver bullet. It wasn't that suddenly everything was better. But there was a radical transformation that happened from the inside, and that allowed him to play the long game in his life and to start working on things so that he could move forward. It wasn't like he was zapped and suddenly everything was okay. The radical transformation from within gave the opportunity to start moving forward. And that's what happens in each of our lives. If we experience the radical transformation inside of us, it's important to do things like this. And sometimes, it's funny, sometimes I, all of us, forget to do this. You know, we wake up in the morning, and we're like, man, uh, so I, uh, my finances are just in a, a bad shape. And we think, well, what can we do? We can say, you know what, God, today, I can't control yesterday, today I invite you to be the center of my finances. Or you can say, you know, God, I invite you to be at the center of my marriage, the center of my parenting, the center of my relationships, the center of my practice as a whatever, whatever career I'm in. And if we invite God to be in the center of that, we continue to experience that radical transformation inside. It allows us to change our perspective. There's one more thing that we do then. So if we, we start by... Do you remember what the first one was? Let's, let's quiz you. So our first building block was what do we want to do? We want to remember who's the what? The coach. Then we're going to change our perspective. Now there's one more building block we want to add on there. We want to develop a long-term vision. The scripture says, In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now let's talk about what having a long-term vision means for a football player. Playing the long game is making the short and medium passes needed to advance the ball. There's, this is so much better than simply being so focused on the long touchdown pass. Imagine if, now you're all going to make fun of my form. I can't throw a spiral. I don't have a football up here because I knew if I held it, I'd hold it wrong. You'd be like, this guy's preaching about football. What is he doing? He can't even hold the football right. So I'm going to pantomime the football. But imagine I'm going for, again, my form's bad. But imagine I'm going for that touchdown pass, and I'm so focused on that. The problem is, if I'm a football player, I got big, like, 350, 400-pound defensive linemen who want to do what? Flat it, crush me, flatten me like the pancake that I am, right? That's what they want to do. So if I'm so focused on that touchdown pass, I'm going to miss those big guys, and I'm going to be on the floor in pain. So how does that apply to our lives? Because I'm not saying that if we make the wrong choices, we're going to get flattened like a pancake by some big defensive lineman. I am not saying that. I can assure you. I mean, maybe that will happen. I really hope not. And if that does, you should probably call 911. <laughs> Thank you for sort of laughing. We're getting there. Um, but the real-life way we look at this, we have to deal with today before getting to tomorrow. It's not about that quick fix. It's not about that touchdown in my life. Oh, if I just do this, it's just going to save me on everything. Because if I'm so focused on that touchdown Hail Mary pass in my life, it's going to have devastating consequences for me on the day-to-day. -day. 
Let's do another one. So, what if you are a football player and you need to bring your team back from behind? Okay. Let's imagine that we have a major financial setback. We have to play the long game. I'm going to use an example. Hopefully you will laugh when I pick this name. Ready for this? We're trying. When Willie Nelson... Okay, my father is... My father is reading the Willie Nelson biography right now, and literally all I hear about all the time, it was Led Zeppelin, but now all I hear about is Willie Nelson. So congratulations, I have to suffer, so do we all. <laughs> laughing, this is exciting. Okay, so Willie Nelson, when he was in his 50s, he was $35 million in debt to the IRS. Everybody told him to give up. He didn't. And you could say, yes, he was Willie Nelson. He had the ability to fill out stadiums. I don't have the ability to do that in my life. So, David, come on. Like, yes, Willie Nelson can play all these shows and come up with a plan, but I'm just buried. Okay. Let's think about the stadiums and, and the shows for a second. Because, honestly, you're not making $35 million every time you do a show. There's all sorts of people you have to pay. There's rental, there's promotions, there's all sorts of stuff. It was a very long process, and it took him years. It took him something like 25 to 30 years to pay back the $35 million in back taxes to the IRS. But now he's in his 80s, and he's Willie Nelson again. Because it's not just about focusing and saying, you know what, I'm just totally, I'm toast, this is the end. When we look at life, we can say, you know, I don't need to do that touchdown pass. I can simply make the short little right decisions today. I can keep it in the day. Let's do one more. A football player needs to focus on a whole season rather than a single game. And if you think about it, we all have bad days. A football player, there are many, many football players, Matt Flynn, um, who have these huge any Packers fans there? Remember Matt Flynn, the guy who had one amazing game and he got a huge contract and everyone was like, this guy is going to be a legend. And where's Matt Flynn now? A supermarket? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying he's not like, right? So one game does not make a career and one bad day in our lives does not ruin a good year. One bad week in our lives does not ruin a good year and one bad year in our lives does not ruin a good life. It's okay. A bad time is a bad time. We can do a couple things. We talked about keeping it in the day. We can say, you know what? Okay, I acknowledge day is not going well. Right now, I can't fix anything that happened. But where I'm at today, it's not even that I'm going to restart. I'm just going to say from here on out for the rest of the day, I'm going to finish strong. It's like the, the football player who's just thrown three interceptions, and I don't know why he hasn't been benched. But he hasn't been benched at this point. He's still in there. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to focus on, am I going to throw the fourth interception? I'm just going to do the short plays. I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm going to keep focusing. Patriots captain Matthew Slater. Have we, have we heard of Matt Slater? I'm going to throw his picture up on the... I love this guy. So we're going to throw his picture up here for a second. And I think a lot of things together. Not that we're idolizing a person. We're not. We are about Christ. But Matt Slater is going to bring a lot of these things together for us. You know, when he came out of college, people said that he was unathletic. People called him too slow. But now what is he known for? Matt Slater is one of the captains of the Patriots. 
He's known for winning coin tosses that hugely matter, like the, the coin toss um, at the, uh, the um, overtime of the, the Super Bowl with the big comeback. If Matt Slater hadn't won that coin toss, there would not have been a big comeback. Um, he's also known for these things. He runs down the field like Forrest Gump. Go on YouTube. It's really funny. You can type in Matt Slater, Forrest Gump. There's hilarious, hilarious... Go enjoy yourself. Um, he's also known for being a leader in the community. He's being, he's, when I turn on sports radio, everyone laughs that I listen to sports radio, but I turn on sports radio and I hear Matt Slater talking about recovery and I hear him talking about addiction. Like all the time, like three times on the hour, you hear different ads that he does, different PSAs, and you hear him as a major voice in the community. Um, what else is he? He's also someone who, it's not Tom Brady who's really known for making the big speeches. It is Matt Slater. Uh, they have the guys on the sports radio, and they always talk about how Matt is the one who makes the big, amazing speech. Of course, he's a four-time um, first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, and three-time Super Bowl champion. But coming out of college, everyone focused on what Slater could not do. His dad... Jackie understood that the Patriots, that do-your-job, the Patriots' synchronistic system, would be a perfect fit for him, and he received phone calls from scouts, administrators in the NFL, who knew me and my son. And they said, Jackie, this could not be a better fit for your son to start being a fo pro football player. In the words of Slater himself, and I want to include this because it's really going to show us he acknowledges who's the coach, he changes his perspective, and he starts to develop a long-term vision. I want to read this to you. I have to be a steward of the opportunity that I've been given. And being a good steward is me working hard at my craft, preparing, trying to take care of my body, trying to do the right things on and off the field. Have I been the perfect steward? No, not at all. But I've tried to not take for granted the opportunity and the platform that he's given me in order to try to keep it. Because if I was just going to sit here and say, well, God's got me, I can just go on cruise control, that's just ignorance. So I have to do my part, but my little bit of part pales in comparison to what he's been doing in all this. And I want us to think, what does this look for each of us today? We can all identify with feeling less than like Matt Slater. Can we agree? We at times in our lives have been called too something. He was called too unathletic too slow. We've all felt either personally or from someone else that these labels have been put on us. However, he has success because of his faith, his ability to be coachable, his ability to fit into that synchronistic system, his perspective, and his willingness to have the long-term vision to play the long game. What about us? Do we sit with the wrong perspective and focus on everything we can't do? Or are we working to become good stewards of the opportunities given to us by Christ? Do we see that the lives we live as humans can best be lived by faith? Now that all got me thinking, how can we make it practical? Rick Warren offers five purposes for us to consider as we begin to develop this long-term vision. We're going to go through these quickly, but I think these are helpful. We can offer real worship because we are planned for God's pleasure. We see the importance of worship in our lives. It's more than just singing. We sang today. It was great. There was a little bit of clapping, right? We had a nice time. Worship is more than just singing. It's about how do I make my life 
a life that worships God. How do I invite God into all parts of my life? We talked about that. Enjoying real fellowship. We're formed for God's family. We see the importance of fellowship. It's more than just church friends. It's about really making long-lasting relationships. At Faith Community Church, we talk about growing relationships, and that is really what fellowship is. It's when I have a crisis, I know who to call, and it's someone in my church family. It's that kind of idea. Learning real discipleship. We are created to become like Christ. We see the importance of Bible study, prayer, and contemplative faith. One of the other things we talk about at Faith Community Church is loving Christ. This idea of how do I let my life, how do I find that, you know, it's great studying the Bible. It's a great way to begin my day. It's great to to get on my knees in the morning and, and pray and say, God, I just welcome you into all parts of my life. Practicing real ministry. We are shaped for serving God. We see the importance of serving others and truly learning how to make a difference. And we've often found, and many, many, of, many of us have found, that this is our absolute favorite part of coming together is we get to serve and help people. It's great because we get to help our kids learn how to do this. We get to help our, our spouses. Our spouses get to help us. We get to help our parents learn to do this. And the fifth one is living out real evangelism. We are made for a mission. We see the importance of going out and learning to make disciples of all nations. Because I will tell you, a lot of people say, you know, David, that evangelism stuff, I'm just not good at that. I have a secret for you. Ready? I know like three people who are naturally good at it. Nobody's good at it. I'm not good at it either. It's uncomfortable. Talking to someone about Jesus is innately a teeny bit uncomfortable. We live in a world where that's not super helpful. To, to, to just come out and it, it's not like the world makes it so easy for us to just talk about Jesus in our lives. If I'm walking in the supermarket, I'm picking up the Captain Crunch and I turn to the person walking down and I'm like, hey, Captain Crunch, oh, Jesus loves you, have a great day. That's not going to go over super great. So if you're like, oh, I'm not good at evangelism, I'm not either. It's okay. That doesn't mean you don't do it. Jesus still said we all have to go out and make disciples of all nations whether we find it a teeny bit uncomfortable or not, it gets easier, but it's about developing that long-term vision. We live human lives in the flesh, but our long-term purpose is for something greater than ourselves. Having a long-term vision means seeing life as a by-faith journey. And I want you to consider this, and we're gonna, I'm going to invite some people um, down front for, for prayer and, and also our people who are going to be leading our final song. But I want you to consider this. Would I rather invite God into all parts of my life, do everything right, live with humility, and still fail, which that'll happen. There were times where we totally do all the right things and we still fail. Or would I rather look back years later and wonder what if? Is there an opportunity today in my life that I am just passing up? Is there an opportunity where I'm I'm sitting and saying, you know, I'm just so focused on that home run. I'm so focused on trying to, trying to get that that I'm, I'm neglecting my family. I'm neglecting myself. I'm neglecting everyone around me. And so there are going to be some people, um, I invite them forward, who are going to be praying with us. Um, but if, I, I really challenge you that maybe you're saying, you know, there really is something in my life that I'm just so fixated on, I'm so just focused on, and it is tearing everything else apart. We'd love to have prayer with you on that. 
Maybe you're saying, you know, David, I really haven't experienced that radical transformation in my life. I'd, I'd really like to. We invite you forward. And maybe you're saying, you know, wow, there's just, there's just some barrier between me and God. There's some, some way that I'm just not able to have that long-term vision. I invite you, and we're going to stand together, and we're going to pray in a second. But I invite you to stand. And after we pray, I invite you to just come down forward. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, not that we have a silver bullet, we don't, but we, we just, we can pray together. We can continue that long game together. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all the good things you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his work on the cross. We thank you for the fact that it is finished. And we thank you that all we have to do is simply just say, here I am, Lord, send me. We thank you for that free gift of grace. And we ask if there is something in our lives today that we begin being open, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you break the barriers, you take any sort of barrier that is in front of us and you just smash it so we can begin that long slow walk of faith or we can continue that long slow walk of faith.